welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking out news of the day. None other than Jessica Burbank, TYT contributor, all star analyst for this show. Glad to have her back. Top story of the day. Donald Trump is going to the pokey, as I predicted. Now, he may be in just for a few hours, but he is scheduled to turn himself in to the Fulton County Sheriff's Office in Atlanta, Georgia. That office is led by none other than elected Sheriff Patrick Labatt, who said clearly roughly two weeks ago, he will have mugshots ready for us. Well, he has definitely provided the mugshots of everyone else who has surrendered. Bonnie Willis said they will be able to all have a negotiated bond in advance. And that has happened as well. I'm going to get into some detail about this and then give you a highlight of Trump Jr. seeing his privilege collapse at Fox News of all places. Let's get into it. Former President Donald Trump, well, yeah, expected to surrender. We are officially in the middle of Mugshot Watch 2023. The Fulton County Jail on felony charges will be booked on felony charges in connection with efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. DA Fonnie Willis oversaw the sweeping investigation and the racketeering charges. Now, I want to provide some context here that I think is missing in the narrative of back and forth. Uh, much of this is intentional by Trump and his allies. Bonnie Willis did not do the indicting. Who grand juries looked at evidence and decided it was proper to indict Donald Trump? The first grand jury was the special purpose grand jury. They had investigative authority, subpoena power. They reviewed the evidence. Because the special purpose grand jury has so much power to investigate, they are not allowed by Georgia law to do the indicting. They then recommend if someone should receive a true bill or not, an indictment or not. They decided Trump and his allies should be indicted. Typically that recommendation goes to a grand jury, the grand jury considers it, and the normative grand jury will make a decision. Well, DA Willis, in addition to that, the first grand jury and panel of the second grand jury had them review evidence as well. And the recommendation from the first grand jury. This is called crossing T's dotting I's. Now, I was critical of the DA in the beginning because I just wanted to see Trump and his allies arrested quickly. Obviously, they broke the law. Well, now you have two citizen led grand juries that looked at the same evidence and came to the same conclusion. There's more. Let's put them up, the co defendants, right? You got 18, but these are some of the biggies. Rudy Giuliani turned himself in, he has already surrendered. Uh, Vernon Jones was actually next to the man, probably provided a ride for him. They've surrendered in the election interference case, a federal case yesterday denied request by two of those defendants, Mark Meadows and Jeffrey Clark, to delay their arrest. All of the defendants face a deadline for noon tomorrow to voluntarily surrender. Now here's the thing, and we'll keep those pictures up. Um, some of them argued that Fulton County that did not have proper jurisdiction, uh, that this should be handled by the federal system. Now what does that tell you? 
Number one, they don't understand the law. This is called concurrent jurisdiction. Fulton County has jurisdiction, the state of Georgia has jurisdiction. And the federal government has jurisdiction because interstate travel or interstate application was evident. So everybody has jurisdiction here, including Fulton County. They would like the federal government to prosecute them because they believe the DA in Fulton County would be much harsh. Isn't that interesting? Meanwhile, Don Jr. at one of the biggest clown shows, not including Trump in the history of our nation. I'm talking about the GOP debate. That clown show was attended by Trump Jr. Trump Jr. tried to gain access to an area that it was off limits to surrogates of the Trump campaign. Well, he had his privilege card, which should have settled everything, especially on Fox News. But here's what happened when he was checked. Right now, trying to ban people from actually having discourse about politics. Uh, How un probably, probably shouldn't surprise any of us, uh, but that's what it is. I've been told by others that I would be able to go in. So they said we were able to go in, then they said they weren't now that we're here. Wait, and the candidate that said you can't go in the spin room. They're telling me right He's now, Fox won't let that. me into the spin but room. That's what the American people Fox should know. News, this is the kind they're of They're telling they him, are. he works for security here, but they're telling him that I'm not allowed to go in there. Because the candidates that they've been boosting while simultaneously trying to cut down Trump for the last, what, two years? Didn't perform as they had hoped. So they can have someone who can maybe be a representative of my father. Just like a few weeks ago when I was canceled after the first indictment, I was scheduled to go on. And about five minutes before I'm on, I found out I'm no longer on because apparently I wouldn't be a great surrogate to talk about my father's indictment. Just so we understand what we're dealing with here. So it shouldn't surprise any of us and it's also why Trump was 100% right to not go to this debate. Exactly. It's beneath him, and when you know that you're walking into a setup because of exactly these kinds of circumstances, you understand exactly what's going on in mainstream media, even conservative. It's very. I like to knock. I like to knock the one the side, but I got to call balls and strikes. This is no different than what we see from the Democrats. It's no different than what we're seeing from the Fulton County DA when they're trying to put a gag order on Donald Trump so he can't defend himself in court proceedings. And more importantly, to function as an intimidation tactic for anyone else who would defend him, where the DA there is then saying, hey, we're gonna add you people to the indictment if you take part in this. I don't know, guys, doesn't reek of democracy. All the people that have been screaming that for the last six or so years, especially during the Trump presidency, when I believe we had a lot more freedom uh, than we do now, or certainly since this administration's taken over, are strangely quiet. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised. My sources tell me he's still talking right here, right at this moment, still upset. Sir, you don't have a constitutional right to go to the damn spin room at Fox News. Uh, number two, if you want to talk about freedoms, you of all people should understand the difference between freedom and a privilege or a courtesy offered. Because routinely Fox News would give you the air chair and not anyone else. Fox News would say, hey, Donald Trump Jr. We will let you come on every day of the week if you talk about Donald Trump in exclusion of others. You see, that's a private company. I thought you guys liked private companies having their ability to make decisions about business operations. This is not an attack on democracy because you were disallowed from going into a place that somebody 
told you you could go. Misunderstanding perhaps, probably you're just lying like your dad does. But all of a sudden, because one individual, Donald Trump Sr. has been held accountable by multiple jurisdictions in this country, the country must be going to hell. I submit to you, sir, this country was going to hell when it said that it could own a human body, violate a human body, rape a child that happened to be black without criminal penalty. If you don't think that was the start of hell in America, but today is because a white man who deserves prosecution is getting prosecuted, you are part of the problem. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. It's just junking that some of the most privileged members of our society are claiming that they're being silenced. Don Jr. had so many mics on him and right. cameras in that moment. And I assume the social media reach is actually greater than the reach Fox News had that night. So this facade that they're being silenced and all of media is against them is exactly that. It's a facade, it's giving, do you know who my daddy is? Please let me in there. It reeks of entitlement. Uh, just listening to the way he's talking to the people in that moment. And when we think about Donald Trump not being there, the, the reason being that he says he won't support the ultimate candidate that the party would elect. Uh, and also because he's facing charges the next day and probably wants to have a peaceful night at home before he goes and pays his bond and has to have a mugshot taken. It's also shocking to me that he has to get a new attorney now. He's gonna be represented by uh, Steven Sadow who represents a lot of high white collar crimes and has been outspoken against RICO charges. So he couldn't find an attorney that really believed in him, wanted to represent him or believed he was innocent. He had to find an attorney that believed the law that he was being charged with shouldn't exist at all. That's how bad things are for Donald Trump right now. You make a very good point and you're right. The attorney that he brought on board is more of a theorist when it comes to the application of law. And he completely disagrees with the constitutionality of the RICO Act, especially in state application. And he's gonna make an argument that the law itself has to be questioned and possibly he hits a grand slam and gets it to a United States Supreme Court judge at some point. So you're right, it is a strategy that has nothing to do with belief in Donald Trump. All right. Police officers, they make a disabled veteran urinate on himself. And then they laugh about it because the cops are sick. Let's go to the video. What are you guys calling me? Somebody calling out one of the pistols. Put up the pictures. Dallas cops laugh as a disabled veteran wet himself. Daniel Lane is his name. 
Dallas Police Oversight Office is now investigating four officers caught on video. Three are pictured, but the fourth is actually behind the body cam, which caught the incident. Laughing about a disabled military veteran who urinated on himself after he was denied access to a restroom at a restaurant. Let's put up the veteran. The Dallas veteran, Mr. Lane, told oversight members two uniformed, off-duty Dallas cops working security at Sirius Pizza refused to review his medical paperwork around 2.15 AM. June 10th after employees said he could not use the restrooms. Let's put up another picture, Mr. Lane. Mr. Lane has had surgeries on his lower extremities after he was wounded during a tour in Afghanistan and Kuwait. He was an army sergeant at that time. Mr. Lane told the oversight board he was medically evacuated out of combat, no longer lives a normal life. So he carries this paperwork around just in case he runs into jerks like those cops, right? To prove to them, I have a condition. Mr. Lane called 911, but officers did not arrive in time. He said he had a urine and bowel leak issue and left the restaurant. Quote, the Dallas Police Department failed me, Lane told oversight members at their monthly August meeting. Milkshake Concepts, a restaurant company that owns Sirius Pizza, said in a statement provided by a marketing agency that it was, quote, aware of the unfortunate incident between off-duty police and a patron. The statement did not address questions, including why Sirius Pizza employees denied Mr. Lane access and what training the company has in place regarding customers with disabilities. Dallas Police's Internal Affairs Division, which headlines administrative reviews, found the officers in fact did not violate policy. Police spokeswoman Kristen Lohman said Tuesday, the department is looking into the complaint, asked if that meant the investigation was reopened. She said no, she did not elaborate. The officer's action drew ire from the oversight board members who questioned internal affairs officials about the decision not to even investigate and whether the officers should have at least reviewed Mr. Lane's paperwork. You got a board member named Derek Pegram cited Dallas police code conduct, which states an employee should not ridicule, mock, haunt, or belittle any person, no matter on or off duty. Quote, if he had not even shown the card, he is still a person, he said. He didn't need to talk about his disability, end quote. Let's go to Ali's law. Many states, including Texas, have a restroom access law known as Ali's law, which states that people lawfully on the premises of an establishment should be allowed to access a restroom if they provide evidence, paperwork, that they have a medical condition that requires immediate access to the toilet facility. As whether the law was violated when Mr. Lane was not allowed to use the restroom, DPD Lieutenant Anthony Greer told oversight, quote, we'll have to dig deeper into that. Irene Alanis, the major over internal affairs, said they'll have to review the Americans with Disabilities Act and how that is applied. Greer said, we don't condone that conduct, but certainly it was outside the scope of Mr. Lane. Greer said, 
about the comment after Lane left. He was not present, neither was anyone else present. It was between the officers there on the scene. You know what's fascinating about the statement? One, it is an admission of violation. It's an admission that they violated the policy. The argument is, but they did it away from the guy. He wasn't there when it happened. The rule, madam, does not require that you taunt, belittle, or demean in front of the person. It is a professional conduct standard, which means you don't do it at all, period. That's what professional conduct standards are for. And he did, those officers did do it in front of him because millions of people have now seen it. There's more. They also said that his medical card was from Washington. A board member countered that should not have mattered because, quote, it should be accepted that he has a disability. Lane told Oversight he had a federal and state identification card and legal medical documents. He said he was a serious pizza customer during regular business hours. A copy of one of his medical documents was attached to the oversight complaint. Now, why is it important that he said I was there during regular business hours? Because Ali's law requires that the establishment be open in order for the law to be applied. This man is a properly prepared individual because he knows he will run into people like this and he has a serious medical condition. So he comes prepared based on the rules, the laws and protocol that govern moments like this. What happens? The police decide to intentionally, intentionally stop him from using the restroom. And then the man soils on himself. Proving he needed to truly utilize the facility. Instead of one officer showing a bit of compassion, saying, my man, I'm so sorry. I really thought something else was happening here and I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let me help you to the restroom. Is there anything else I can do for you? Instead of having an ounce of humanity, they gather together to laugh with each other. Everybody's on the same page, don't miss that point. Everybody's on the same page, everybody thinks it's funny. Everybody thinks what they did was okay. This is indicative of a much darker psychosis. This is an indicator of extreme insensitivity. Don't think this is just done in a microcosm of that moment. This is how they operate with humanity, period. And we have given these people a gun and a license to kill. This is our police department. Jessica, thoughts? I just think about what someone goes through to become a veteran in our country. There are a lot of people who are motivated to protect us against our adversaries abroad. And in Afghanistan, where he was deployed, especially is one of those cases where our very selfish interests as a country led to our CIA and military training the Mujahideen, which then became the Taliban, which then became a threat to us. A lot of people still want to serve and protect us regardless of whose fault it is, that's really honorable. There's also a lot of people who are young and served in these wars in the Middle East who saw wages become stagnant since the 1970s, saw the cost of tuition skyrocket and saw joining the military and serving as their only way for a stable life in this country. 
country and then you become disabled thanks to your service and you're treated like this by police, people who are supposedly here to serve and protect. The culture of policing, it's very clear. It's a lot of people who like the power that the position offers. It's its not a culture of protecting the public. And I think this is a, a perfect microcosm describing the psychosis of police officers and the type of person that becomes a police officer. And so I think if this happened in any other public position, a teacher did this to students, mm. parents would be outraged. But we yeah. have this philosophy that it's a few bad apples, they'll be fired and replaced by people who are better? No, it, the, the problem is the culture of policing itself. That's right, very well said. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday. You're gonna feel free, back off. I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You need to watch your face, gotcha. because guys like me eat bitches like you for lunch. Gotcha. Don't be a douchebag bitch. All right, go your mother. <laughs> My mother's dead. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Why are you on. bothering me? You know you're what? the one bothering me. How old are you? It doesn't matter how old you. Because I want to know if you're 18. I want to kick your ass now, bro. Come on. Come on, man, bro. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's put up the picture for a mask. The reason why I'm smiling, not because I condone violence, I do not. I condone self defense. Now, let me tell you what made this man believe that he had some type of super strength. Do you see his shirt? That is a pro Donald Trump t-shirt, okay? This guy was so aggressive that he wanted to check the age of the young man to make sure he's 18 so he can kick his ass. That's according to him. When the young man provided evidence and said that he is of age, that is when Donald Trump Little man all star decided to physically attack. And if you see the picture where his shades are coming off of his head, okay, it was in that moment. He knew he had effed up. All right, uh, this Trumper confronted young bikers, uh, got a lunch sandwich, uh, he claimed, some commenters. Uh, under the viral video point out that when he was uh, practicing that line <laughs> in the bathroom mirror, he did not account for a fist to the face. Once again, self defense, all right? What are you going to do? Guy comes up to you, okay? He's asking for your age to make sure he can have an opportunity to fight. He's wearing a Trump shirt. He then uh, attacks you, this is a thug. What else are you going to think? Man got on a Trump shirt, shades. White male thug, all right. This was, and I gotta say this, just being transparent. This was a very satisfying video and hopefully serves as a PSA for others who are engaging in this kind of criminal conduct while wearing a Trump shirt. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. 
the best part about this video is the fact that he has the Punisher skull with an American flag superimposed and Donald Trump's toupee on top. I think Gary Conway and the other creators of the Punisher and Frank Castle would not be happy with this use of the Punisher logo, which is supposed to represent someone who doesn't receive justice from society, from the police and from the military and is in fact critical of how the police and military function in modern society. It's so funny that we see such intense misuse of the iconography of the Punisher logo. It just makes this video so much better yeah. that he is wearing that t-shirt. Right, and he just got it cause it had a Trump wig on top. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Indisputable exclusive, hell of a story. A black woman attacked by Fort Lauderdale cops. She tells the truth about what happened to her. Police officer says, no, 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 he was attacked. Got the video, we have updates, we have the exclusive. Here it is. For Zulu Lima. Oh my God, this is amazing, this is amazing. How you doing, you got an ID on you, ma'am? Because I asked for it. Because you asked for Yes, ma'am. Okay, I no longer feel comfortable because I don't even have a problem Okay, here. well, I'm asking you for ID. If you don't produce it, I'm going to take you to jail. Okay, so let okay, me see your ID. Do you hear this, mom? Do you hear this, mom? Ma'am. I'm waiting on my friend and now I'm about to get arrested ma'am, because I'm, I'm not going to ask you again. ID. I'm not going to ask you do again. Do you hear this, mom? He's not giving me a problem or what, what did I do wrong? I'm going to show you the rest of the video and the injuries that she sustained. I want to remind you that this was not even a traffic stop in the traditional sense. Ms. Cooper was waiting for her friend to join her so they could celebrate her birthday at the beach. She was just waiting there, all right? That's it. When Deputy Stephen decided to pull up, Deputy Stephen Davis decided to pull up and said, give me your identification. After she hesitated, which is understandable, he forcefully pulled her out of the car. After the altercation, she was charged with resisting arrest and battery on an officer. Nothing about traffic, nothing about uh, a citation for pullover. Here's the next video. Ma'am, I I'm gonna ask you one more time and then I'm gonna pull you out of the car, okay? You're not pulling me out of nothing. Sorry, please, why are you being aggressive? I'm going to do this, put up the pictures that she provided to Indisputable directly, what this officer did to her. 
I want you to see this. She did nothing illegal. See, this is where the officer wanted it to go. This is what he wanted to do because he in fact is a coward, a feckless human being. In court, Davis claimed that she was non-compliant and that she decided to attack him. News covered the initial court hearing. Ms. Cooper testified in court that she received several blows to her head and injuries to her face, arms and legs during the altercation. And Davis testified he was bleeding profusely from his head as a result of being attacked by Ms. Cooper. Ultimately, Ms. Cooper was arrested and charged with battery on a law enforcement officer and resisting arrest. This is not the first excessive force incident Deputy Davis has been involved in. In 2017, Mr. Davis was taken to court after forcefully arresting a man and then tasing his wife. After being ticketed for illegal parking in front of a public supermarket, Mr. Barkley cursed at Deputy Davis. He said profanity, profanity is legal. Deputy Davis then got in his car, turned on his emergency lights and ordered Mr. Barkley to pull over. Mr. Barkley exited the vehicle upon Deputy Davis's demand. Deputy Davis then required Mr. Barkley lie on the ground. Whereupon he placed his knee on Mr. Barkley's back, placed him under arrest for reckless driving and resisting arrest without violence was the charge. Mrs. Barkley exited their vehicle, approached Mr. Barkley out of concern and the deputy. Mr. Barkley directed his wife being a concerned husband, go back to the car, return to the car, I'll be okay. Deputy Davis then decided to pull Mrs. Barkley out of the vehicle. She returned to the car as instructed. He goes to the car, does the same move to Mrs. Barkley that you just saw him do to the young lady. Same move. He then decided to utilize his taser on Mrs. Barkley. His report to five eyewitness testimony times, it was two to five times he used it. According to his report, Mrs. Barkley was charged for battery on an officer and obstruction with violence. Are you seeing the pattern? Are you seeing the pattern? He assaults individuals, criminally charges them with assaulting him. He assaults individuals, says, "Oh no, it's the other way around. They attack me. I, I, I'm the one that was the victim here. I had to charge them with fighting me." There's more. 2020, he was arrested. He arrested, excuse me, another woman, Lauren Holiday, for resisting arrest with violence. Who has since come forward to speak out about her experience? Holiday resolved her case by pleading no contest to resisting without violence. 
and her letter to the judge in Ms. Cooper's case. Ms. Holliday said her own arrest was retaliation. Coming less than a week after she filed a complaint about Davis harassing her over walking her service dogs along the beach. Davis didn't even tell me why he was arresting me, she said. He just pulled me out of the car and kneed me to the ground. His gun flew out of his holder. It was, it has been the most terrifying event of my life. This man has an MO. You know who knows about the MO other than him and the citizens he has brutalized in this local jurisdiction? The leaders that allow him to. I'm going to get to leadership in just a moment. There's more. Ms. Cooper gave us a statement about her experience. She said, and I quote the officer of BSO ruined my life, my finances, my physical abilities. Prior to this event, I had a clean record, free to get whatever opportunities suits me. Now I have to work part time just so I don't miss court dates or a drug and alcohol test that gets called once a month randomly. All in all, it has been a year and three months of my judge being switched. My court dates pushed back constantly. Officer Stephen Davis of BSO lying under oath, more than three different stories, both on the scene, off the scene and in court. My left leg and spine have its days where I'm in terrible, a terrible amount of pain. To this day, Stephen Davis was completely negligent and uncivil by his approach towards me. I felt safe in my locked car. I was trying to give my ID, however, my birthday nails at the time, as well as the gift card stacked behind my ID was making it very difficult for me to grab out of my wallet. Him not answering my question really deterred me. It slowed it down from getting my ID and I got scared and confused as why he couldn't just answer my question. So I started talking to my mom to calm myself down and explain the situation to my mother. We reached out to the sheriff's department for comment to see if Deputy Davis has received any level of repercussion and received this response. Here it is. The incident is currently being heard in court, end quote. Put up the sheriff. You should be a damn shamed of yourself. Sheriff Gregory Tony of the Broward County Sheriff's Office has been elected as the sheriff since 2019. I hope and pray the citizens of your jurisdiction boot you the hell out. He allows Davis to continue this behavior unchecked, unfettered, without penalty, without the enforcement of rule or law. Let me say this to you, Sheriff. Maybe you got into this profession because you actually cared about people. You know, that cop you protected, he did not elect you. The people he's brutalizing did. Now, I'm going to stay on top of this. And I have the date of your reelection, sir. I will remind people of you during that time. It is in your best interest for your political career to do the right thing by the people 
will put you in that position. To allow this man who has a stated MO that we could find, we could find his MO. I'm sure you know way more than we do. And to do nothing, not even investigate. And to the DA who is prosecuting these cases, allowing individuals to not be truthful under oath without penalty. Well, we got something for you as well. That story is coming too. All right, Jessica, thoughts? This is a clear case of excessive force. I think he absolutely did not believe that a crime was being committed. It's not a crime to sit and wait for your friends at the beach. And a lot of people say follow orders and you'll be fine. No, he violated her constitutional rights by approaching her and asking her to show ID when she wasn't doing anything wrong. And without body worn camera footage, we would have no idea that any of this happened the way it happened. It would be her word against his, him saying she attacked him. And that's why it's absurd people try and convince us that body worn cameras have no effect on policing behavior. And it's because officers think that they can act with impunity, that they can disregard the law, disregard people's constitutional rights in the studies where they assess the impact of body worn cameras on policing behavior. A lot of the times the officers didn't even turn them on. But that's why the media attention on this really matters. And that's why people saying what happened was wrong and organizing and the public unrest as a result of this footage being released and us knowing how our officers are acting is so important. We need to make it so that the body worn camera footage has an impact so that when the officers have to turn those cameras on for every interaction or else there will be consequences. It does have an impact on policing behavior because then they'll know that there will be consequences. That if the sheriff doesn't hold their officers accountable, they'll lose reelection or that those officers that are caught using excessive force will lose their job. I think the fact that we have body worn camera footage is a really important takeaway and we need to keep fighting to keep body worn camera cameras worn and turned on by officers all across the country. That's right, and if they don't do it, if they do not turn those cameras on, they need to be charged with tampering with evidence. That's the only way to make it uniformed policy. And the irony of these arrests is that for the most part, the people he arrested, they were only arrested because of his interaction, not for any other crime and assault on an officer only resisting arrest and assault on him. He is the but for factor. He's the guy who's the but for factor here, not them and not a crime. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Kind of press for time, cannot read them all. Uh, Greyhound Dragon, the picture with the Trumper's glasses flying off his face is hilarious. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful picture. Just says so many things in one picture, you know, with the Trump shirt, just flawless. All right. Um, Civitas Vox, I think. Uh, the Trump crime ring is finally going down. That's right. I literally under the RICO Act <laughs> in Fulton County. Uh, Labrio, 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 I think I said that right. Uh, Punisher, <laughs> Punisher Trump care gets punished, how appropriate, yeah. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Does this male care and not realize that assault is assault, no matter how old the person is that you are attacking? No, he's a Trump supporter, sir. He doesn't know that. All right, 
Uh, Trudy Lawrence, thank you, Trudy. C. Michael, thank you again. If I knew I was being arrested tomorrow, then I won't participate in a debate the previous night either, especially if my opponents knew about it. <laughs> that would have been great. But you know what? They're so damn um, feckless in their leadership, they would have been afraid to talk about it. If, if Trump was on the stage, I bet you $10, maybe even 20 that they will be afraid to talk about it, other than Chris Christie. Chris Christie may have said something. All right, we got time for one more. Um, all right, Luke Winterwolf, welcome back, Doc. Love sharing, but so damn good to have you back. It's damn good to be back. I love sharing too. Okay, what if I told you that a family was evicted from their RV park? It was done inappropriately, perhaps even illegally, left completely unsheltered, nowhere to go, entire family. We have an exclusive. I want to first bring you the video. Here it is. Slides in and get it where it can be moved. Or when the sheriff's department comes here, we will deem it abandoned and it can be drugged just like it is at your cost. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's we so we have been over backwards trying to be, you know. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah, we have. Okay, so you uh, want me to willingly give you the key to my property so you can take it to impound. You think I'm stupid? Good luck moving it. You were, have you were fun. given the paperwork. Yeah, with Did a four with four days on a holiday weekend. Four days. You really think with it being Memorial Weekend, with every park filled up that we would be able to move it. We don't have a truck, man. Well, it you, sounds you like know. a personal problem. Over, Good luck. Over two years, and you know listen, we don't have a it's, truck. It's, it's no problem with me. When the sheriff's department gets here, it will be handled. You can either- It's not It's not abandoned. Right. It's not abandoned. We're paid up. How can it be abandoned? It's paid up until June no, 16th. it's not. It is. I have paperwork to prove it. We have paperwork as well. Put up the picture of the family. A family was evicted on the shortest notice possible, a weekend, a holiday weekend at that, from an RV park after their vehicle was broken into by the RV park staff, according to the report. Ms. Adrian Thompson and her family had been staying for two years at their location at LaFon's RV Park in Princeton, Texas, when the RV Park staff broke into their vehicle, okay? You see a picture there? The break-in happened after the family was served a sudden eviction notice right before the Memorial Day weekend, making it impossible to find another RV park to move to move to by the vacate date listed. The only reason the family was given for the eviction, according to Ms. Thompson, was because they seemed, quote, unhappy. This eviction notice came despite the fact that they paid it to next month. We have the receipt of that as well. After the break in, the RV was sent to impound, damaged beyond use, leaving the family homeless in their car in the Texas heat. 
Ms. Thompson called the police, who even state they spoke to a constable who claimed the eviction should have been handled completely differently. Here's a video. Um, because it's such a, you know, conglomerated thing. Right. Um, we, because we've been here two years, so imagine a family of five with two years. Like, well, I get it. it. I, I absolutely that's said. That's what he was saying like, earlier. And it, and it, and, 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 and like I said, we have to kind of abide with what we know. Right. And what, and what other, you know, like say a professional constable that does evictions for a living. Right. You know, and he was like, mm. And so we asked him and he, and he, we read, we read him the paperwork and he believed that, you know, he believed that because you'd been there more than 30 days, and I, did he say because of electricity or was that even a part of it? I think it's because of the, 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 the length of time. The length of time, because you'd been there for more than 30 days, they should have done a regular eviction. And that, you know, and again, I can't say Mr. LaFon may know something that we do not. Right. Um, Mr. LaFon may, but I mean, he also may be treating this as he would be a weekly renter or a daily renter right. or something of that nature and, and be misinformed. Because we receive mail there. So that's considered resident. Right, what, what, we've got to figure out what they want to do because it, that's that's where we're at. We're, we're, not, we're not putting it because I talked to Jay and Jay's like, No, Sergeant, you have to figure out what the law is, not what they want to do. What is the law? The law is clear in Texas. You establish residency typically after 30 days. If you have mail coming to the residential environment in which you abide, that is your domicile. That's the law, which means in order to move someone off of their stated domicile, you must file a proper eviction notice with the local courts overseen professionally by the constable. None of that happened. You know it was illegal, put them off. Everybody is saying, oh, we're, just, we're just trying to help you and do the best we can here. Nobody's following the law. Nobody's looking at the statute. Nobody is saying, well, LaFon is actually wrong. Hell, that cop even said, maybe Mr. LaFon just knows something we don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Ms. Thompson has been in contact with Sergeant Ray Rhines from the Collin County Sheriff's Office and has filed charges for criminal mischief and breaking and entering. But as of yet, there have been no results. The message, I met with the district attorney's office last week and explained the case to them. They are reviewing the information to try to find a charge that is appropriate and prosecutable. They asked me to follow up with them later this week. Illegal eviction, sir, is a charge that's prosecutable in Texas. We confirm this is an active and ongoing investigation. Our investigators recently met with the district attorney's office on Friday to discuss the case. We are closely collaborating to assure a thorough review of all aspects. Investigations duration varies due to complexities, evidence gathering, and collaboration with legal experts. Well, damn, you all do that for every case? I mean, that's a lot for an illegal eviction case. Was the woman there for over 30 days? Did she have mail coming to the residential environment? That then is an illegal eviction if the courts were not sought properly in order to affix 
the eviction notice. There's more. While a swift resolution is important, we cannot provide a specific time frame at this point. Once our investigation concludes and the district attorney's office review is finalized, we can provide you with an update on findings and actions taken by our office if you inquire it again. Inquire about it again. So we're reaching out, we're saying, listen, um, Sergeant, here's the law. What happened was wrong. Um, you all need to provide some information. This family is unsheltered. This family went through an illegal act. You are law enforcement, what are you going to do? We reached out to LaFon's Park, RV Park about the eviction. And owner Randell LaFon refused to respond. Adrian has been attempting to fundraise on GoFundMe. We want to provide some help for this family. Let me do this. I want to put up the picture of the family again to remind everyone of how low down these sick SOBs are who worked as a system in order to evict somebody because they seemed unhappy. According to her, the only reason they gave was that, well, you just seem unhappy here. Maybe she, maybe she talked to them about conditions at the RV park. Maybe there are some rules that she thought were not properly being followed and she had the audacity to say something all of a sudden. She gets an eviction notice that says, oh, it's because you're unhappy. So we're gonna evict you illegally. In order for this to happen, multiple systems have to work congruent against her, all outside of the context of law. It is not her fault. It is not her children's fault. They need to get back on their feet. The GoFundMe is active. I wanted to make sure there's an opportunity for anyone who would like to participate and give to the GoFundMe, they can do so. All right, we will also provide the link to the GoFundMe directly in the description of this video. I'm asking you to do the very best you can. We will bring you an update as it comes. Jessica thoughts. This is why the narrative that people who are homeless in the United States are drug users or criminals or just bad people in general is so dangerous because so many families across the United States are one accident away from becoming homeless. Sometimes that accident is renting from a landlord that's corrupt and will evict you illegally and then the police and the sheriff will take the landlord's side even when the law is on your side. Median, in, median income in the United States, if you earn what the, the very middle is when it comes to income, you're still paying over 30% of that on rent in the United States. Median rent is now $2,038. Most low wage workers, which is 40% of the country, are earning $10.66 on the hour, one hour of their work is determined to be worth $10.66. You can't afford rent in this country. In the, the city where I live, Charlotte, North Carolina, where Dr. Ritchie is in Atlanta, Georgia, about 30% of the properties have been bought by investors who are driving up the cost of rent. These are people who will never call the places that they are purchasing home. 
And they're pushing out people who need a place to live. The homelessness crisis is caused by us allowing investors to turn housing into something that is a profitable enterprise, something that is commodified and it's just basic sustenance, a basic necessity for people to have a place to live, lay their head and raise their kids. It's very simple and we're letting it happen and law enforcement is unfortunately on the side of the landlords. And this is the result. It's a problem that's systemic. It's not the fault of this one family or any family that gets evicted and experiences homelessness. Very well said. It's a system issue. Once again, this is a microcosm of a bigger issue, but we continue to tackle it one issue at a time. We'll bring you updates as they come. All right, remember the original reporting we did on the FedEx worker who was shot at by a father son duo. They tried to kill the man. The man gets into his delivery truck, he flees, he lives, he survives. FedEx has fired him. Let me give you the update to this story. Put up the picture full mass. D. Monterio Gibson, the black man who was shot at, the young man was shot at and chased by two white men while delivering for FedEx last year has now been terminated for refusing to get off of workers compensation leave. I'm going to give you a hell of a story about why according to FedEx. While the shooters, Gregory and Brandon Case, were charged after turning themselves in, they were released on bond a day later. They chased this man and tried to kill him. Just days before Gibson was terminated, a judge declared a mistrial in the attacker's case. Now, I want to say this about the mistrial, keep the picture up. The judge had no choice. When I looked at the reason why the judge declared a mistrial, it was because the detective Foul things up, maybe even intentionally, in order to get a mistrial. But if the judge did not declare mistrial, the conviction would have been completely overturned on appeal. I have no doubt about it. At this point, the prosecution has to foul again. And I believe they will. If they're found not guilty, double jeopardy is attached. They cannot be held accountable for the crimes that they committed. The refiling of charges needs to be expedient. Gibson said he felt disrespected by the decision. Since 2022, he had been on workers compensation leave, receiving about one third of his pay. That's it, just one third of his pay. He took the leave after he reported to law enforcement the incident he experienced with Brandon and Gregory Case on January 24th, 2022 in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Moore, Gibson attorney, said his client did not have the mental capacity to return to work while undergoing psychological treatment as a result of the incident. Quote, he didn't feel that they should unilaterally decide when he gets to go back to work when he is still undergoing medical treatment. He has not been cleared to go back to work by a physician, said more of his client. Let me give you some background to the terrifying events that has contributed obviously to the mental dynamics, the psychological issues that he currently has. One, he was working for FedEx when this went down. He was an employee on his job and he had a traumatic event happen to him, okay? Gibson told his manager and police 
that the father and son duo attacked him while he was delivering packages to a house on their property on a dead end public road. He was in a rented Hertz delivery van and not an official FedEx vehicle. That is permitted, they do that. The men allegedly chased Gibson for about seven minutes while he was delivering packages on his route in Brookhaven, Mississippi. This was on January 24th, 2022. The pair fired at least five shots into the van, according to court records. Gibson, now 25, said he had not interacted with the men before the shooting. He didn't know them, he said nothing to them. He didn't know why they were shooting at him. He just knew he had to get away. There's more. First, one of the men tried to box him in with a pickup truck while he was on the grounds. Then as he drove away, the other man, the other man pulled out his gun, firing, striking the vehicle, leaving holes in the van and parcels inside. The young man immediately called his job, speaking to a supervisor, even before calling the police. While they're treating this as a situation that occurred in real time, The level of coordination would have led me to believe if I were a prosecutor that this was premeditated, that this was planned, that they were just waiting for someone to, well, let's just say fit the bill. There's more. In light of his termination, Gibson and his attorney are now suing for double the original amount. They had a lawsuit filed or this young man had a lawsuit filed earlier against FedEx. It was thrown out because it was just poorly filed. Um, This recent move by FedEx has caused the um, new attorney to file double the amount. Moore says his client, when he was still employed, filed a $5 million federal lawsuit against FedEx, which alleged the company violated his civil rights because of his race, did not care about the trauma he experienced while on the clock. On August 10th, a federal judge dismissed the complaint saying Gibson's legal team failed to establish their client was experiencing race-based discrimination by the employer. Not that he was not experiencing discrimination or even unequal treatment, but it was not race-based. That is simply a legal dynamic that the attorneys may not have proven adequately. Despite tossing out the lawsuit, Moore contends he will be filing a new civil lawsuit doubling the amount he was seeking in damages to 10 million. On August 17th, a Mississippi judge criticized the negligent handling of the case by law enforcement. This includes a detective's testimony about withholding a copy of a videotaped police interview with Gibson, which happened after the alleged incident. Why is it so difficult to do the right thing? FedEx is a billion dollar corporation. Workman's comp, this man is getting less than one third of his normative salary. He was shot at. They tried to kill him, box him in, trap him, and murder him while on the clock for FedEx. Maybe there's some contributory negligence here, FedEx. Why do you allow your delivery drivers to drive delivery trucks that are not clearly marked? Hmm? Oh, this is going to get deep for FedEx, believe that. But all they had to do was treat the man like a human being. Let me put it in another context. 25 year old white female goes into a black community, driving from FedEx in one of their allowable unmarked vehicles. 
two black men, father son duo, they think there's something else going on. They try to trap her. And then they shoot inside of the van and chase her for seven minutes. Do you think she gets fired this week? Of course not. This is the reason we highlight these stories. We want fairness. We want equity. Jessica thoughts. It sounds like FedEx and a lot of companies that operate like FedEx, they want their workers to assume personal risk on behalf of the company. And that risk allows the company to profit in some way. They don't want to be responsible as the employer to pay what they're legally obligated to. And so instead, they fire the worker because they don't want to pay the workers' compensation. Paying the workers' compensation was not a, a nice thing for FedEx to do. It's the cost of doing business when you're putting workers in a risky situation. A third also of their income is is the floor. I mean, moreover, a good business would make the driver whole again and then make some changes, invest in the security of their drivers and compensation rather than wait for a lawsuit to hit. Because I think ultimately they've made the economic calculation and have determined that not investing in the security and waiting for a lawsuit when it comes across you know, their lawyer's desks is a lot cheaper than actually if they invested in that security and made their workers whole again and decided to run the company in a responsible way. They've decided to instead treat workers like they're expendable because it's more profitable for them. And so that's why so many workers for UPS and FedEx are prepared to strike with the Teamsters when they don't get mm-hmm. the contracts that they want. They have no choice but to withhold their labor and organize because the company won't do the right thing and they can afford much better lawyers than the average FedEx worker can. That's right, well said. We will bring you updates as the story develops. All right, welcome back, always good to be with you. Got time for maybe two comments, okay? Uh, So we have David Morris, David Morris says their blackness is purely coincidental. Talking about the RV eviction um, of the family. Um, I think this is Senior Rock or Shrock. Uh, Dr. Shaw Richard just wanted to say, enjoying your book, keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, even purchasing the book. You can always find the book on Amazon. It is one of the uh, top 10 best selling physics book on the Amazon platform. I'm very thankful for the continued support. All right, we have an exclusive update. Do you remember the Uber driver? who was attacked, according to her, by a passenger. Police come, they seem to not believe her and nothing happens. Well, she went on social media, provided context to a story, was even on here. We have an update, they gave her a warrant for arrest. She gets a warrant to get arrested, I kid you not. Let me go to the first video and remind you of the story, here it is. That's one video. Now remember the context, according 
to the Uber driver. She was attacked. She defended herself. In defending herself, another white male pulls up and attacks her, thinking that she is the aggressor. It is a chaotic situation. Everybody believes she's the criminal, including obviously the police. Um, this is her, Miss um, uh, Desiree, recounting the incident. Here it is. He says, how do you afford this car? And I was gonna tell him it's an Uber program. You know, That's what they do to give you Teslas to drive for people to have comfort. He says, cuz I know you can't afford this from anything else. You got drugs? Do you have drugs on you? I said, drugs? Why would I have drugs on me and I'm driving? He says, cuz you know, if you were black, you have drugs on you, you know? And that's the only way you can afford this car. They pull over right now before I kill you. So I said, okay, I got you. I got you, brother. I'm gonna pull over right here, but I kept going. Put up the pictures full mass. Now I'm giving you the background, the context so that you can understand the insanity of the now. Miss Desiree Keys was attacked by her passenger according to her report. And then she defended herself, okay? She is a musician, songwriter, talented individual. Now the prosecutor's office, they've issued a warrant for her arrest. Ms. Keys, I spoke with the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. The warrant was issued, misdemeanor assault out of the 36th district or DC. You need to contact your attorney and arrange to turn yourself into the court for arraignment. The WCPO declined charges on the other individuals involved in this case. And that would be a discussion with a discussion you would have to have with them as we don't issue charges. All videos and photographs provided to us were submitted to the WCPO. If you have any additional items, please provide to your attorney as anything you send us may be used against you in criminal proceedings. The assigned APA of the case stated that it would be improper to speak with you regarding further matters on this case without an attorney present since a warrant has been issued. Additionally, the GoFundMe page she started was shut down too. It was not understood why the GoFundMe was shut down. She started a GoFundMe to raise money for her legal defense, taking down no explanation. I got an update on that too. Ms. Key stated to us at Indisputable, and I quote, I was extremely disappointed and confused about the whole thing. I can't believe it's taken so long to really determine what happened here. I defended myself and fought for my life. I'm sick of people thinking they can do and say whatever. Everyone loves my energy and my heart. I haven't been the same since December of when this happened. Also, she says, I want to be the outgoing person I once was. I am a beautiful black woman. This was a hate crime. I did not have the proper investigation. I believe they were lazy and withheld my evidence because of race. Black women are not protected and at the very least unsafe when it comes to any hate crimes. The warrant for Ms. Key's arrest was issued on July 10th. This is important to know. Shortly after our last coverage of her story, suggesting 
that the warrant may have been issued because of retaliation due to media. She has the right to seek media. She has the right to post on social media, she does. Maybe the prosecutor got upset, possibly offended. When we reached out for comment to the prosecutor's office, uh, the response was, and, and let me qualify this because the prosecutor um, said, all right, well, this is off record and pro- provided a statement. No, this, ma'am, that's, that's not how it works. I have to agree to something being off record. My production team has to agree we could talk off record. No agreement was made. So I will read the statement on air. Please put it up. Maria Miller, Wayne County Assistant Prosecutor, says, and I quote, the footage that has appeared on your network is not accurate. It depicts a different incident on the same night where a man allegedly intervened when he saw Ms. Keys allegedly assaulting a man near a highway ramp. He was not the Uber passenger. She was instructed to file a complaint with MSP. Now, let me respond directly to the prosecutor. Man, we know exactly what we're talking about. If you simply looked at the interview, that context was provided, right? Let me continue. Ms. Keys was charged because it is alleged that she had a verbal argument and then she engaged in a physical altercation with a male Uber passenger. It is alleged that she gave him a black eye, cut his eyebrow and injured his face by getting on top of him and punching him. It was charged based upon the facts and evidence in the case, according to the prosecutor. The incident occurred on December 17, 2022. The case was charged on July 12th, 2023. She recently turned herself in and was arraigned in August 11th, on August 11th, 2023. The matter will ultimately be resolved in court. Ms. Keys is currently a misdemeanor defendant represented by counsel. Um, so let's put up the head prosecutor. Now this is the lead prosecutor, Ms. Kim Worthy. It's the head prosecutor for the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, okay? Fortunately, Ms. Keys was able to reinstate a GoFundMe account. All of a sudden, things are clearing up. GoFundMe says, you are able to raise legal funds in this matter. Her attorney spoke to us and stated, and I quote, this is attorney Brandon McNeil, who is a serious lawyer. After reviewing the evidence provided by the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, I am appalled and deeply disturbed by the prosecutor's decision to approve a warrant against Ms. Keys for assault and battery when the credible evidence overwhelmingly supports that she is the real victim. Ms. Keys was simply defending herself against a racially motivated attack by a drunk Uber passenger who physically assaulted her first and maliciously damaged her Tesla. Attorney McNeil continues and says, quote, it is clear to me that the Michigan State Police prematurely focused on Ms. Keys as the suspect from the very beginning and only followed up with witnesses that supported her version of events after social media post and Dr. Ritchie exposing their shoddy investigation. The alleged victim in this case has serious credibility issues that I look forward to bringing to light 
during trial. Let's put up attorney Brandon McNeil, who's about that action. Now he was a very thoughtful individual in the process of taking this case. He wanted to know everything. And once he got all the facts, went through all the evidence, he made more than a conclusive determination. And you will do the same. She has been able to reinstate a GoFundMe, as I said, which can be found under her name, Desiree Keys. Put it up. If you would like to provide assistance to this woman who is going through ongoing an ongoing saga of extreme, extreme neglect contextualizing our criminal justice system, you may provide help as you so choose. We will bring you the update to this story after it is or once it is in litigation. Jessica thoughts. Uber should be the one providing legal counsel for her. It's very clear that the law was applied across racial lines that she was discriminated against. And they would have corrected their shoddy investigation if it wasn't for the attention drawn by the public on social media and the media on this show. Not traditional media, of course, but shows like indisputable. And it's sad that we won't have accountability unless we do that, that that's how our justice system is set up, that we need to put this public pressure on them to just do the right thing. It's absurd at all that they would go so far as to remove her ability to crowdsource funding for legal help. That is such an extreme position to take. And the motivations to me, I don't even wanna pretend that I can understand what would be going on in someone's mind for them to do that. For them to try and take away her ability to raise funds for legal counsel in this case, it's just disgusting. It is extreme and you are correct. But we appreciate individuals like yourself, Continue to fight the good fight, leading and advocating for everyday individuals. I appreciate you. Tell people I think follow you, check out your great work. Likewise, Dr. Ritchie. Uh, yeah, cover bank on all social media, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Twitters, and then The Hill every Friday. There it is. All right. All right. Don't forget, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.